Well, hello again, and welcome back to another episode. Uh, This is the season finale, spoiler-filled recap of The Last of Us. And uh, man, this, this episode devastated me. The Oscars were on and I was like, yeah, I can't. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to miss the the last of us to watch the Oscars. I'll get all the highlights afterwards, which I did and I was pleasantly surprised by the winners, but this episode, episode 9, Look for the Light was such a fucking delight to watch and I I'm not going to act like I didn't get a little teary-eyed at the end cuz you know it's the end of the season and So much happened on this one. Um, I expected it to be a longer episode, but I was kind of glad it wasn't because I had to get up the next. I love how we started with the first episode being When You're Lost in the Darkness. And the title for this one is um, Look for the Light, which is the Firefly kind of recruitment (laughs) motto that they use when they're trying to, you know, get people to join their side. The episode before was when we are in need and we saw Troy Baker and I remarked, oh, it'd just be so great if we saw Ashley. And I meant Ashley Johnson, who voices Ellie. And sure the fuck enough, (laughs) come on, sure the fuck we got Ashley. And we cut at the beginning of this episode uh, with a little cold opener that shows us a pregnant woman running in what looks like a wooded area, and you can hear an infected shrieking after her. And she is noticeably pregnant. Like that belly could not get more swollen (laughs) if you tried. And when we finally see her face, it is Ashley Johnson. And she gets to a, a farmhouse that's in the middle of somewhere and gets in and tries to barricade the door. Well, she's looking for something, if there's anybody in there. Because the last thing you want to do is be fighting off more infected. And she, how the fuck she did this, I don't know. But she makes her way up. She finds a little rickety chair and she uh, puts it up against the door. And we can hear uh, in the distance glass breaking. Um, As she was going upstairs, she realized her water broke and, you know, as a mom, your first instinct is to protect this this child that's obviously about to come into this world. And she's all alone. And she goes upstairs. Like I said, we hear the crash downstairs. And she's got just an old little tiny chair up against the doorknob to keep the infected person out. And I could not think of a more scary scenario. Um, You know, I've seen, I I think the scariest childbirth thing I've ever seen was A Quiet Place. If you've ever seen that film, um, you know, they have to be quiet and giving birth to a child by yourself. I can only imagine what women had to go through that had to do that. And in this instance, uh, the infected breaks through because, you know, it's an old house. It's The wood's probably not that strong or sturdy and definitely not the chair. And it's shrieking at her, comes at her, and she's holding her stomach. And she has a a knife that looks very familiar. (laughs) It's uh, the little switchblade that we see 
uh, Ellie having throughout this whole season. And, you know, she's doing her best to keep this infected from biting her, harming the baby. And she puts her hand up and, you know, is fighting the infected as best she can, as well as going through labor, labor pains. She gets the switchblade open, she stabs the infected, and as she's stabbing and pushing it off of her, she hasn't even realized that she had already given birth. Probably during the struggle and pushing, and this baby is crying and wailing on this floor, and she uh, pulls out the knife, cuts the umbilical cord, and ties it off, and she looks down and sees that on her thigh, she has been infected, she's been bitten or scratched. I didn't really see a bite mark, but the point is she's infected. And she picks up the baby, and she's the baby's just wailing and crying, and she's like, that's right, Ellie, you give them hell. <laughs> and that's how we are introduced to our Ellie and we also get to see the key point as why she's immune is that either she was still in utero when she got bit. I'm assuming it was when she stabbed the infected and then cut the umbilical cord with the knife. And I guess because the blood flow was still going through her, that may have added to her her body makeup and made her immune. But that gives us a, a lot more backstory as to, you know, some reasons why she may be immune as opposed to everyone else in this population. And it's it's a nice opener. It's a sad opener because we know that obviously her mom's not going to be with her, but it also helps show us how how strong and plucky Ellie is, is all due to her mother. Cause I don't know too many pregnant women in hard labor <laughs> that could fight off an infected. I mean, I would try like hell, but I mean, that's a tough woman. That was a, a really great opener. I'm glad that they did have Ashley Johnson because I could not imagine them not having her, especially after seeing all of the other main voice actors um, throughout the series, which I keep telling you, I can't, I can't tell you how how wonderful it was to see them, especially after hearing them. We're introduced to Ellie on her birthday, and that's a hell of a way to come into the world, right? <laughs> Just mother fighting off an infected, and you barely making it. So, the next scene we get when this when that happened, it was during uh, kind of dusk, and the next scene we get is kind of a, a scary one because, you know, it's now dark and you see a group of people looking for uh, this woman and her name is Anna, um, Ellie's mom. And then we see a familiar face and it's uh, Marlene. And she, they're looking for her and, you know, she's apologizing that she didn't get to the checkpoint in time. And I was worried when they got there that Ellie's mom would would have already turned, but you know, for some people it it takes a few seconds, and I guess for others it takes longer. 
and she's in the room with with Ellie. She's got her wrapped up in her jacket and she's singing to her and Marlene comes in there and she tells her that, you know, she was bit, but she was able to cut the cord before she was bit. And we know that's a lie. She did it after, but she wants to make sure that Ellie is okay and that Marlene will take care of her, you know, and do the right thing instead of, you know, killing her. Apparently Anna and Marlene were friends for a long time. And I think she even asked her, how long have you known me? And she says, you know, my whole life. And she says, well, her name is Ellie. I want you to take her, make sure she's taken care of, take her somewhere safe and give her that, um, give her this. And it's, it's the switchblade. Then she also asks Marlene to take her life and Marlene can't do it. She, she doesn't think that she can do either of these requests, but she does perform both. And then she goes in and she hands Ellie to another person that was in the search party, another firefly and tells him to cover Ellie's ears, which he didn't fucking do. I was like, dude, you know, it's a baby. She asked you to cover the baby's ears, but he didn't. And then she goes in and, and she shoots her. And then Ellie starts to cry. And that's a really fitting opening, I guess, uh, for her to come into the world and a world that's already changed and to have a violent introduction to what she's going to be living in. Uh, I thought that was kind of poetic and sad in a way. After that flashback is over, we move on to Ellie in the present. Uh, she's not being her usual Ellie self. She's not making wisecracks. She's not, you know, she she just went through a very traumatic experience in the previous episode and all of the trauma she just went through. And uh, he starts asking her, you know, what do you want to do next? I saw a guitar in there. You want me to, I can teach you how to play guitar. And she's like, sure, you know, but she's, she's kind of checked out. You can tell she's, she's still not really the Ellie that we know and love. And so they get into uh, the town, getting closer to where uh, they believe the fireflies are uh, held up. And they see some rubble and debris, and then they have to go through, I think, some kind of construction building. And they're just talking, you know, they're having a lot of banter back and forth. And he's, you know, just trying to lighten the mood. And he's talking and she's kind of checked out, but then she answers him. So she's hearing him, but she's not... It's almost like she's sleepwalking. You know, she's aware, but her her head and her her whole being is changed, and rightly so. You know, it's I can only imagine how you could keep your your senses together in a fungal apocalypse, but then to have so many things happen. And I mean, you know, the what happened with Tess. You know, what happened with Riley. Uh, 
what happened with the David and uh, the cannibals. <laughs> Sounds like a prog rock band, <laughs> David and the cannibals. I'm going to pencil that in. That might be my my second act. I, I can do a prog rock band and call it David and the cannibals. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, just talking out, out loud uh, to you guys. But they go through and, uh, you know, Joel is noticing that she's not herself. And like I said, he's been trying to lighten the mood and he's trying to get her to understand that, you know, it's okay. And he asked her if she's okay because she seemed kind of extra quiet. And she's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And uh, he gives her um, a boost up because he needs to get on a ladder, but the ladder is up above where he can't reach it. But once he gets her up, she can lower the ladder. And she gets up there. And all of a sudden you hear her kind of get this really girlish glee in her voice. Like she's found something so amazing. And Joel being ever much the dad is wanting her to wait. He, you know, she's scampering off. And I actually like this scene because it, it's a lot like the the video game, you know, like when you play a game, you have to catch up to whatever the other character is doing. And that's exactly what this scene felt like. And my son was dying for this part. This is like one of his favorite parts in the game. And, uh, you know, she's running and he's trying to catch up and he's starting to do the whole dad thing where you're kind of worried, you know, when your kid goes a little too far ahead of you. And when he gets to where she is, they're actually uh, where a ballpark was. And there are giraffes just kind of grazing in the field. You know, all of the zoos and everything, of the animals are run amok at this point. <laughs> so the the enclave that they're in, it's at the very top. And they can see a giraffe just eating. And Joel goes over and picks up some leaves off of the tree and hands them to Ellie and she starts feeding the giraffe. And it's like a light, a wave of light came over her and helped get her out of the funk that she was in. And he's such a proud dad in this moment because he's watching her feed this giraffe and seeing how it lightened her mood and is really enjoying just seeing her be a kid. And, you know, I think part of part of him is also thinking of this is something that Sarah would really have liked. She would have loved to do it. And, of course, we get Ellie getting back to herself because she's just like, it's so fucking cool. <laughs> and that's how we know, you know, Ellie is is getting a little better. That 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 little bit of joy helped kind of get her back to herself. When you see the scene, you know, there's a lot of giraffes and there's a lot of foliage and it looks almost like Eden, you know, like we're all starting over. Everything is so green and beautiful. And and when I say giraffe, there are like probably like seven or eight of them out there just eating and walking around. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, peaceful moment. Nature has grown over everything, you know, uh, 
not to quote Dr. Malcolm, but life finds a way. And it almost seems to give her a little bit of, I guess, peace. (laughs) He even tells her, uh, well, maybe there's something bad out there, but so far there's always been something bad out there. And Ellie cuts him off and she says, well, we're still here though. And I think that's what he was hoping for, that she would feel she's been through a lot, but she's still here. And even she notices it and and makes the statement, which I thought was really nice to have her say that we're still here. She basically just tells him that she knows he wants to protect her and he has every step of the way. And when they're done with finding the cure, you know, she'll go with him wherever he goes. She'll follow him wherever he goes and she'll stick with him because he's always stuck with her. But she also tells him that she's got to see it through and there's no halfway with this. She has to finish what they started. And she really is wanting to help find a cure. If she's the cure, she wants to make sure that she does it. Joel is, you know, hoping that she'll just give it up and they can go back. He makes that suggestion, you know, we can just go back to Jackson and live our lives there. And she said, yeah, you know, I'll stick with you. I'll I'll be with you, but it can't all be for nothing. You know, it can't, Tess and all of these people that have died can't be for nothing. We've got to, we've got to go through with this. Once they get down below, they make the way to the hospital and he basically, uh, they cross through what looks like a uh, emergency setup, like a camp. And he said he spent most of his time in a place like that. And Ellie brings up Sarah and it's different this time. When Ellie brings up Sarah, Joel isn't hostile. He's wanting to kind of open up, which is a huge, huge difference from the early parts of the game where he just doesn't want to talk about anything. And we all know after he called her baby girl on the previous episode that you know he's got his new surrogate daughter, so he's definitely going to talk about his actual daughter. And then Joel opens up about something that he never told her. Um, They talked about the scar on his face. And when she talked about it previously, he told her uh, it was from someone who shot and missed. And then he's completely candid with her and tells her that it, he was the guy that shot and missed. After Sarah died, he really didn't want to go on, and he was going to end it. And something made him flinch. When he pulled that trigger, he flinched, and that's where he got the scar. And then he tells her, the reason I'm telling you all of this, and then Ellie cuts him off and says, I know why you're telling me all this. So time heals all wounds, I guess she says to him. And 
Joel replies, it wasn't time that did it. And he looks at her. And you know right there, and she knows right there, what he means is she healed him. And I thought, shit. They could end this right now, and this would be perfect. But (laughs) I've played the game. Or, excuse me, I've watched the game. I sometimes feel like I play the game. And sometimes my son would let me... uh, make decisions, but I didn't want to be the one pressing the button (laughs) of these kind of video games. They unnerved me too much for me to play. Like I told y'all earlier, if I played this shit, I would throw the fucking controller up in the air and I'd break them like every single time I play. Cause it gets, it gets you like really nervous and you know, you don't know what's lurking around the corner and the uh, infected in the game are so fucking scary. (laughs) And not that they're not scary on the show, but you know, you see a lot more of them at every turn. And so they talk and then they decide to press on. And Ellie's like, well, I know what's gonna help this moment. A book with shitty puns. (laughs) And she starts telling the story, you know, the little, uh, stupid jokes and they both are like groaning at them and as they're kind of having their father-daughter moment uh, we see a gentleman creeping up behind them and he throws what looks like a smoke grenade or some kind of uh, disarming uh, canister and you know it it blows and all you see is a haze of smoke and you see someone kind of through the haze of that smoke picking Ellie up and you hear her say, Joel, really disturbing. Cause now I'm thinking now what? Because they have made some subtle changes from the game to the show. So I kind of knew it was coming, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. And I will say I've been loving the changes that they've been making. We fade to white and Joel wakes up in what looks like a a hospital. And then Marlene, a very familiar face who we saw at the beginning in the flashback, says, welcome to the Fireflies. And they know now they finally reached the Fireflies. It took this long, but Joel is coming too. And the only thing he has to say is, where's Ellie? Now Marlene is acting kind of I don't want to say shady, but she is acting kind of shady. And then she tells Joel that Ellie is fine and Ellie is mostly worried about him. And then she goes on to say how she really admires how far the two of them have come and that, you know, a lot of her people didn't even make it this far. How did he do it? And, you know, we all know it's sheer fucking will. It's, it's Joel. And then Marlene kind of breaks it down that her biology more than likely will provide a cure for the cordyceps infection because the infected mistake her for one of their own. And after a surgical procedure, they should be able to create a cure. 
And he, she says that they're prepping Ellie for surgery, to which Joel says, well, wait a minute, cordyceps is in the brain. That's where it starts. And the only way they can make a cure is to remove Ellie's brain. So she's going to die. But it's one life to save everyone, to save everyone and to start anew. Now, y'all know, at the beginning of this series, Joel has already lost one daughter. And he has just now opened his heart and opened up to love another child. And for him, that is just simply not fucking acceptable. It's not going to fucking happen. And he's like, nope, take me to her. Marlene does tell Joel, you know, I, I knew her mother. I promised her mother I would take care of her. How do you think I feel? I basically raised her. And she thinks that, you know, by letting him know that if he can just leave, they can save everyone. She thinks she can reason with him. And I'm like, you know, I get what Marlene's doing and I get, I get it. But I think my problem is she's a teenage girl. That's a lot to put on her plate that you, you could be the savior of mankind and have everything reset and go back to normal and save millions of people, you know, probably all over the world, if they create something that they can ship or, you know, find a way to get it overseas or, but they should give her a choice, you know, don't just take her and don't give her the whole story because I'm sure in Ellie's mind, she's thinking it's just going to be as simple as them drawing blood and doing a few tests and, you know, they'll be able to create something that will help, but no, They've already got her drugged and prepped for surgery. And, you know, she may not have said no. She might have wanted to make that sacrifice, but no one was honest enough to give her that choice. And Marlene sees Joel as selfish, and he is. But it is a little harsh to just expect a child to say yes. And knowing Ellie, she may have just done that. She may have done exactly that and said, yes, I don't care. Let me do this. She has her Firefly, uh, I guess, security walk him out and tells him that, you know, she can neutralize him. They can completely take him out, but she doesn't want to kill him. And she doesn't want to have to take his life unless she has to. And they're supposed to walk him back to the highway with nothing but his backpack and Ellie's switchblade. That trusty switchblade that we saw at the beginning of this episode that we know is part of the reason why Ellie is immune. And that trusty switchblade that Ellie has had since day one when we met her. And Joel is going down this corridor and these stairs, and you're thinking, at least in my mind, I was like, there's no way in hell he's leaving her. But, you know, he seems like 
he doesn't know what to do. And then he stops. And he's already lost one daughter. He's not going to let history repeat that for him again. And he stops. They push him. He gets the gun, shoots them, grabs Ellie's switchblade off of one of the um, Firefly men that were taking him outside. And he proceeds to unleash the most intense hell on all of these people in this hospital. He is shooting everyone in his path because they're standing between him and Ellie. And he's just full on what I would imagine was Joel in his prime. Marlene completely underestimated the sheer will this man has. She underestimated his fighting skills. He is just blazing through and taking out everybody that he sees, whether they're trying to kill him or whether they try to surrender. He picks up the weapons of the ones that he's, you know, taken out. And it almost, to me, that felt more like a video game scenario, you know, killing them and then picking up the weapons so that he has the bullets, he doesn't have to reload. And he just, they did a really cool thing where they just showed his his boots for the longest. We didn't see his face. We just saw the hands picking up the guns along the way, his boots. And that lets us know that he is just focused. He has just laser focused to get to Ellie before anything is done to her. And after he makes his way to, I guess, the uh, pediatric ward, because, you know, we start seeing murals of kid things, elephants and monkeys and, you know, like a mural that would make kids happy if they're in the hospital. He finds Ellie and she's on a table being prepped for surgery. And the doctor and the nurses are in there and they're talking and Joel burst in and he's like, get all of that off of her, unstrap her. And this doctor, who knows what stakes are and knows how important she is, he picks up a scalpel and he's like, I can't let you take her. In this moment, he kills the doctor. Now, if you've played The Last of Us 2 or you know anything about The Last of Us 2, if you don't know anything about it, don't don't read too much on it. But the doctor that he kills is very, very important um, going into the second game. He kills the doctor, and there are a couple of nurses, and he tells them to, you know, untire, get her unstrapped, and they do. And what's really cool about the nurses is that even though we don't see her face, uh, one of the nurses plays a character in The Last of Us 2. She's a, a major uh, character of Abby, and I thought that was cool, too. I didn't realize that until... Uh, today, well, it's Mondays. <laughs> I didn't realize that until I was uh, looking up some stuff about it because I was like, oh, that would be so great if they start having, you know, people from The Last of Us too. And sure enough, uh, they 
they were way ahead of me. And so uh, the woman who plays Abby in The Last of Us 2, the voice actress, uh, voice actor, she's one of the nurses. I think she was the nurse on the right. And then almost mirrored to him carrying Sarah in that first episode, uh, Running from the Infected. He has Ellie in his arms. He goes and takes her out of the hospital and sees that there's a car that's charging. And as he goes off in the distance, Marlene comes up and she tells him, you know, she's going to grow up, Joel. You can't keep her safe forever. No matter how hard you try, no matter how many people you kill, and then you'll die or she'll leave. And then what? How long until she's torn apart by infected or murdered by raiders because she lives in a broken world that you could have saved? She's not wrong. I mean, some of these things do come to pass. She goes as far as to say that Ellie would sacrifice herself for a cure. And he looks down on her and it's really eerily deja vu of him holding Sarah and looking down on her like that uh, incident at the beginning of the series. And he looks at her and he already knows he's, he's not going to let her go. So then we cut to Joel on the road in the vehicle and Ellie wakes up and in that parental moment, the lies just kind of spill out of his mouth. Um, He tells her that, you know, apparently she's not the only one who's immune and the scientists couldn't do, the doctors and scientists couldn't do anything with them and they'd given up on a cure. She asked why she still had the hospital gown on. And he said, well, raiders attacked the hospital and I had to get you to safety. And a lot of people got hurt. And she does ask if uh, Marlene is okay. And Joel doesn't say anything. He just says he's taking her home. But you can tell, I mean, Ellie's a child, but she's not a, a tiny child. She's not unaware of how the world has been for her. And she pretty much can figure out that Marlene is not alive. And I think in the back of her mind, she knows that Joel probably had a hand in that. And so he basically tells her they're going to find some clothes and he drives the car as far as, as they can. And, uh, until it completely overheats and can't go any further or they're out of gas. And he tells her that they're going to have to hike their way back. And it's probably a few miles, just like when they've been traveling before. And then we get a flashback of Joel shooting Marlene in the gut. And he puts Ellie in the car he goes over to Marlene and she's basically telling him, you know, you you don't have to kill me. Just let me go. 
and he tells her, you just come after her. And we all know that's true because she knows that she's the cure. It's a terrible thing sometimes to be a parent because you want to be truthful and honest with your children. But we know the world isn't nice and there are some things that you want to protect them from. And I think, I don't think Joel was 100% wrong. And I know I say this phrase a lot. He's not 100% wrong, but he's definitely not 100% right because she did, at least from both Joel and Marlene, she deserved to know the truth. Yes, we can save people, but the downside to that is we would have to kill you and go into your brain. I know that's a lot, but at least it would be the truth and she could make her own decision. And it's sad because, you know, earlier we saw them with the giraffes and we saw her get to enjoy the fun stuff. And as the episode comes to an end and they're walking, Joel is really opening up about Sarah and saying how he used to take hikes with her and how he's sure that the two of them would have gotten along, even though Sarah is a lot more girly. (laughs) And then he says, I'm not saying that you're not girly. And Ellie interrupts him and says, I'm not. And then he says, the reason I think Sarah would like you is because she would have thought you were funny. And there's a a lot more lightness to Ellie. And they're almost at Jackson. They're almost back where Tommy and... Maria are. And just like uh, mirroring Joel talking about how he wanted to take his life after losing Sarah, Ellie tells him about the uh, first time she had to kill somebody, which, you know, she brought up before, but didn't really go into any great detail. And we know it was Riley. Um, She turned and Ellie didn't, and she had to kill her best friend who she loved. It's sad because for Ellie, well, first her mom was the first to die, but she never really got to know her. And then Riley was the first to die. And then Tess, and then... Sam and then Henry and it's just been a a long line of people dying and she wants to know if you know maybe it was all of her fault and he basically uh, does the best he can to talk her out of the darkness because this is something he's all too familiar with And he gives her these inspiring words of, you know, how you keep going and you find something new to fight for. And then Ellie cuts him off right before he can finish that, that thought. And she says, uh, you know, swear to me that everything you said about the fireflies is true. And he does. And she just takes a moment And I love what Bella Ramsey did because you can see that she's pondering. I know that he's lying. I can feel that he's lying, but I'm choosing to believe the lie because this is a person who's protected me. This is a person who is now 
family and there are things you do for family that you wouldn't do for anyone. And I think she's choosing to believe the lie because she knows that he thinks of her as family now. And she's obviously thinking of him as family. And sometimes we see what we want to see. Sometimes we choose to ignore things for love and for family. And in that moment, he swears and she accepts the lie and says, okay. And that is the end of our season. Now, I can tell you, I was head over heels about this episode. The only, I guess, nitpicky thing I have is that it was super fucking short. (laughs) You know, for a season finale, I expected it to be like, maybe not 70 minutes, but, you know, longer than 45. Um, But there's so much in this, this final episode. And once again, I love how the, the first part, the first title is when you're lost in the darkness, because when we meet Joel, that's where he is. He's lost in the darkness. And then this one is called look for the light. And that's what Ellie is. She's the light to bring him out of the darkness. It was just such a a fun ride. I've never seen, I've never seen a video game adaptation that, you know, made changes and made the show better, kept a lot of the, you know, shot for shot, word for word of the gameplay. This was really um, an outstanding show. I know we're going to get season two and, um, If you had episodes where you just got choked up and you felt like, my God, what else can they do? Hold on to your hats (laughs) because The Last of Us Part 2 is definitely going to put you in that kind of a tailspin. I I cannot wait. I I literally cannot wait. And I, I feel like if nothing else, this was a great, a great way for people who aren't into video games to actually see how far they've come. Because I can honestly tell you, the more I watched my son play this game, uh, you know, I got to the point where I was like, don't watch, don't play this game until I can watch you. Don't, don't play it. Wait till I can get off work. <laughs> Cause I didn't want to miss anything. It was just, it was way too intense. And I, I literally, I know I've said this before, but I literally forgot it was a video game at times because other than, you know, seeing the, uh, cordyceps, you know, like the bloaters and the real fast clickers and all of those things. Other than those, you know, when it, when it wasn't like super action, it was just such a compelling story about these two people who forged this new family and made this, this world, it gives you something to fight for. Like they each now have something to fight for and each have something to, to actually hold on to. And I think that's what made it such an amazing video game for me to watch and be kind of thrilled by. And then the other thing I really love about this episode is that the previous episode, When We Are In Need, that was the moment that Joel accepted he was going to be a dad again. Like he, he was, she was cargo from day one and we got from cargo to 
I got you, baby girl. I got you. It's okay, baby girl. I got you. You know, full on dad mode, especially from that episode onto this finale, you know, trying to find Ellie's favorite food, you know, giving her a board game. He basically took her to the zoo when they found the giraffes in the park, um, checking on her and asking if she's okay. And then talking about Sarah because they're both his daughters now. They, they both are his. And I thought him opening up to her about what, how dark it was for him and that how far he wanted to spiral. It was the most touching thing I'd ever seen. And also for her to, to bear her story, he's just did so much dad stuff. Uh, it was, it was touching. I mean, he murdered a lot of people. Don't, <laughs> don't think I'm going stuff. He did murder a lot of people in a, a very, a very uh, quick fashion, but the things we do for the ones we love, right? Even in a fungal apocalypse. So I'm going to wrap this up. I uh, cannot tell you how much fun it was recapping this every week. And it was a pain in my ass to edit because I know some of my editing's not that great, but eh, even the Mona Lisa's falling apart. What the fuck are you going to do? But um, y'all can never say I'm not real because, you know, I am. But I thank you so much for um, going on this journey with me. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, take another recap of a show but I don't know. Yellow Jackets has been kind of sticking in my craw. And there's a new show um, that's starting on Amazon called Swarm. And I I kind of want to recap that one because it looks so good. But this has been The Last of Us, uh, my Dawn of the Dead recap of this amazing series that I, I'm going to be waiting like two years for this, this shit to come back. I'm going to be so mad. I'll just have to pour over the episodes as many times as I can and catch all the things that I didn't, you know? Um, but that's it. That's all I got. Uh, thank you. And I appreciate you listening every week. And I guess, uh, besides my little ender, I guess I should just say, uh, when you're lost in the darkness, just look for the light, whatever the fuck that is, look for it. Because we all do our best on a daily basis to keep that light inside of us. And I, um, watching this show was my light. It really was. Uh, I cannot tell you how often I look forward to watching it and re-watching it. And uh, since I don't have a rant other than that little blurb I just said, I'm going to leave you with, until next time, just listen out for my voice in the darkness. And I will talk to you then. Bye.